No. It's must. Even torturing you is boring. This is the small council. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about tonight's topic, which is the Martells themselves, the new faction that is on the horizon. Some of you already have them in your hands, which I am super jealous about. Uh, others of us uh going to have to wait a couple more weeks or however long. I don't even know. I'm hoping that since some people already have them in hand in like Canada and stuff, that means that us in the U.S. will be getting them shortly after that. Uh, but who knows? Time will tell. Uh, but with that said, on tonight with me is my co-host Cyrus. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, we're, we're excited. What are we excited excited about? Did something happen? Uh, the Red Viper. Um, that is all that oh. needs to be said. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah. No, it, it's a big <laughs> deal. Uh, we got hit with uh, with a bunch of new information. We got to see some of the Martell units live uh, in action on some battle reports. We got to see, I think, all of the units that will be released all in this next wave, uh, the starter box, uh, the heroes box, and the Royal Guard, I believe, was the extra unit that's going to be coming in all this. And I do really enjoy that the uh, factions are coming out in these kind of clumps as opposed to you get a starter box and then you wait eight months and then you get something to add to it. This is a lot better and it's going to be a lot easier to be able to figure out the faction when it releases as opposed to over the course of an entire year to figure out what you have. So this, this will be a lot better this way. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think we've had it like this for a couple factions now, and it's definitely, you know, I've been playing since the game started, and I can tell you, you know, it factions dropping like this is just, it, it adds so much more to it, especially if, um, you know, there's not that many, but I know some of you out there are, like, on the fence of getting into the game, and you've been waiting for, like, a certain faction to drop, whether that was Greyjoys or it's the Martells or... Heck, it could have been all the way like back Night's Watch. <clears throat> nice to be able to, you know, if you're waiting, to just kind of jump in and be able to, you know, get uh, not only the starter box, but uh, from the uh, handful of recent releases, you get a starter box, one additional box, and a hero box. And I think that adds, you know, that adds so much to you know, the playtesting and, like, just discovering the faction that by the time you've really discovered all of the options between what they've given you, you already are hearing about another unit for your faction, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean, so, so there's, there's, just, there's a lot of excitement around for everybody, and, and this was one, one of the last major factions that we were expecting to drop. I mean, it was for the last year or so, it's always been, when's the Martells coming? Where are the Martells coming? Well, they're right on the horizon now. Some 
of us are luckier than others uh, have been able to already get their hands on them. I believe our good friends up in uh, in the the northern north uh, have got their hands on some, uh, but unlucky enough for us here in the states and uh, and overseas, they have not quite gotten hold of them yet. But yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to be fun. Yeah, I can't wait. So, as you know, I'm sure a lot of you know that have listened to a lot of our episodes before, whenever we cover a new faction, it tends to be a longer episode. So we're going to jump right into it. We're going to start with all the attachments, so the non-commander uh, attachments uh, first, and then talk about the units. That way we can kind of talk about some combos that uh, or combinations that kind of stand out. Um, <clears throat> I do apologize. I just scarfed down my food, so I might clear my throat a, a, a time or two uh, throughout the episode. Um, but with that said, let's jump to just the generic attachments. Uh, and I say generic, meaning they're not named, so you can take as many as you want. Um, the first one we'll discuss is the Spearman Captain for one point. Uh, he gives the order Threaten. When this unit activates, target one enemy in long range, they become weakened. So we haven't seen this ability since uh, Free Folk had it with the um, Styers chosen. Um, but I think I think it'll be a lot uh, more acceptable here. Uh, and the, w- the reason I say that is because um, <clears throat> throwing Threaten on a bunch of Raiders and then having like four Threatens you know, just being tossed out like it's candy uh, was a little crazy. Um, I think being in a faction that, from what we can tell, is not going to be able to be spammy. We don't have a single four-point unit, um, only one five-point unit if you're not counting neutrals. Um, So uh, I don't, unless you're looking to spam a bunch of Stormcrow mercenaries with this guy, which I don't necessarily advise, um, I can't really see more than one or two of these guys in a list, which I think is is fine. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Spearman here, the, the captain? So Threaten is fine. We've run into problems with him and Tywin with the trigger being when a unit activates and it overlapping with some of the other triggers that you might want to accomplish. So we'll have to be on the lookout for any other cards or abilities that trigger on activation because you might end up with some overlap. And it's just unfortunate when that happens, when you end up having to choose which ability or order that you want to pull off in a given round because you won't be able to get both. Because on, on unit activation, you only get one, you know, unless you're able to move an attachment around, uh, you know, like, Free folk have uh, regroup and reform, and some other factions have abilities where they can move uh, uh, attachments around. But that's that's a little bit you know a little bit out there as far as tactics goes. It's not really a simple thing to pull off. So whenever I see an on activation order, which bothers me anyway, because the really the only reason why an on activation order exists is to prevent you from being able to stack on activation abilities because an order is already, you know, once per round as it is. So you don't need to further, you know, constrict it by making it on activation. So that's the only hiccup I see with threaten. Weakened tokens are great. You want to have weakened tokens out, especially with the Martells who look like they're going to be on the lighter side as armor goes. Weakened tokens are your friend. 
So it's going to work. But again, that, that, that timing, that trigger is what really sticks out to me. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, I think I think you have a point with the you know the timing you know putting it putting it as uh, when activation instead of like start a friendly turn. Um, I would say uh, just looking at the basic tactic tactics deck, the only thing it would conflict with is if you wanted to cunning ploy that unit, uh, which could be a thing, especially if you're like a uh, a mercenary unit with this guy in it, just to make a cheap five point unit you wouldn't be able to forego their action and throw out that threaten. Um, but, <clears throat> I mean, granted, I haven't looked at all the commander cards' uh, timings yet. Um, I've glanced at them, but um doesn't look like there's a lot that will conflict with that. But uh, still, I think uh, it's definitely uh, um, definitely a strong ability that maybe they chose activation just because they didn't want you to, they wanted you to have to commit to the unit um, doing its thing before you could throw out the weekend uh, because a weekend could be a pretty, um, pretty strong token. I know in our last episode, uh, Luke was, was it Luke or it was either Luke or Brandon. One of our guests was mentioning that the weekend is probably the weakest token um, with no pun intended, but I personally think that it really just depends on your your strategy. Uh, I would say um, <clears throat> it would be hard to argue that vulnerable would ever be the weakest, but I think panic token could easily be the weakest if you have no use for the panic mechanic, like if you have no vicious or anything of the sort in your army. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think... I don't know. We'll have to see. I still think it's it's, a very strong ability. It's kind of wild to think about us trying to manage the power level of of Threaten when Warcry exists for one point (laughs) and you can get it down to a three or a a two to pass. Uh, uh, Yeah, weakened tokens are fine. Vulnerable and panicked are stronger. So I don't think that we need to really restrict the power level of weakened too much. No, the more you, you know, I think uh I think a big uh boost to uh making Warcry not be so crazy would be there's a lot of options out there, but one option would definitely be just changing it to activation. I think would uh Yeah could be it. That, other other that, people that have would, just said Yeah, that would be something oh, that would, would that would be something that they could consider. That's something that you actually <laughs> would not want to overlap too much because when you do have that option of start of turn doing your war cry and then you get to you know activate something else to be able to take advantage of those tokens that makes more sense to me than uh or or being able to restrict that makes more sense to me than restricting the threaten yep i agree all right so next up we have the other generic attachment uh this one's two points uh but it has a lot of potential uh the dervish captain has the order so discord start of any turn target one enemy in long range they suffer one morale with a minus one to their role for each of their destroyed ranks on a failure they lose all abilities until the end of the round and just icing on the cake they threw on disrupt um i'll let you take it away with this one what what are your thoughts (sighs) it's fine it's fine i'm fine 
I'm I'm okay. I really no, I'm not. Okay, no, I'm not. I am sick and tired of unique and strong and powerful character abilities get put on these no name dudes. <laughs> we don't know who this is. This is just no name captain. It's the dermishes, and he gets Euron's ability. I don't understand this. I, th- this is the second time in the last you know, few releases that they've done this. Uh, they did it with the uh, the Golden Company officer and gave him Renly's ability. I, I get that there's only so many things that you can do, but if you're going to reuse abilities, at least give them to characters, especially powerful abilities like this. So Discord is so unique and so strong that I, I think it should go to a character. But instead, we get, we get a, a, some random Joe out of the jer- dervishes that ma- ma- finally made his way to captain. That's his shining achievement in his entire life. He became a captain, and now he's got So Discord. As far as the attachment goes, it's good. <laughs> I mean, So Discord's fine. Disrupt is good. And, and fine. Good. Uh, Two-point attachments, again, we, we've gone over it in the past. It's hard to bring two-points attachments in the, in, in the game right now. Uh, but right now, as far as we know, uh, Martells aren't going to have access to Relentless, at least not right out of the gate. So they might be able to fit two points in, especially if they do consider bringing mercenaries. Uh, that might be worthwhile because now you have a six-point uh, unit that it will be kind of a utility unit, a support unit, but will not be as... Uh, weak as far as attacking or defense goes as some of the other support units in the game. So it, it'll be worthwhile, especially if you can get that discount off of the two points. But man, it just it's just gets me that that these attachments are getting reused like this. Uh, I, I wouldn't have figured that. That definitely wouldn't have been how I designed things if I was if I was designing. But uh, it's fine. I'm fine. That's okay. How are you? <laughs> Um, I think it's a, a neat attachment. Um, I know similar to when you look at the uh, uh, Golden Company um, attachment, you, know, you see this awesome ability that, like you said, would normally you would assume would just be on a, a named character. Um, and, you know, the ability seems so good, but it's just good. Like, it's a, a nice, solid ability. Anyone who's played... Um, with Euron knows that this is by no means a guarantee because it's based on your opponent having ranks gone. Um, now, it could be devastating, but, I mean, that would kind of come down to the luck of the dice in, all, in most situations. Um, on average, without any buffs, which I don't see Martell's really having, I think trying to mass-produce so Discord with a bunch of two-point captains might not be the best strategy. Um, but I think, uh, you know, before we get to the rest of the faction, I think a lot of, uh, Martellus might have some difficulty with um, Free Folk. A little bit. I'm not saying it's like some hard counter. I'm just saying they might not be able to deal with a lot of uh, the Horde stuff. With Who the doesn't have trouble with Free Folk? They want to do. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, but... 
this might be a good counter that so discord can turn off insignificant and you can really start punishing your opponent for running all those raiders so keep that in mind you know you wouldn't need a bunch of them i don't know one actually could be enough but you know even if you throw two out there granted that's four points that's a lot especially against a free folk player who's going to have all those activations. But keep it in mind that Disrupt will also really kind of throw a wrench into the free folk if they don't have uh, raid leaders. So, I don't know. I like it, but we'll have to see. I don't, I'll probably play around with, like, one of them, see how it does, but I don't know if I could ever really run more than one. That's a, that's a hefty investment. All right. So, next up, we have uh, Elia. Sand. I'm going to assume that's how you say her name, um, just because I'm bad at uh, English. Uh, she's a two-point uh, attachment. She gives precision uh, for melee attacks and boisterous uh, charisma. This is kind of the one we were mentioning before. The unit may never be targeted by enemy orders, tactics cards, or be influenced by enemy NCUs. Um, in Kind of going back to what you were saying, uh, Cyrus, you know, this is a perfect place to put this ability. I don't know this character that well from the books, but uh, it were like if this matches her thematically, but she's a named character that has this ability, so I'm, I'm cool with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, the precision is nice. I think um, I, it's not my favorite ability out there. But I think with a lot of the things you're seeing in competitive play with Giants and whatnot and these uh, Champions of the Stag, uh, Precision is definitely flying under the radar of how, how useful it can be. Yeah, uh, I think this is fine. Uh, precision, like, like you just said, it, it is pretty good. Uh, I'm looking, and she's... Again, a character, so you can only have one, but I think she's just flat out better than the Golden Company officer that had Boisterous Charisma. She's getting Precision instead of Dauntless, which I think is a better trade. And this just kind of makes me really sad for Dolorous Ed in Night's Watch because he got that Gallows Humor, which is kind of like a very conditional Boisterous Charisma that you have to have a destroyed rank first, and then you get a minor bonus if you're down on one rank. Uh, th- this is this is much better than that, and uh, she probably sees some use, especially if you're trying to push damage through. If you're confident and being able to get those sixes, and if you you're worried that your opponent might have uh, orders, tactics, cards, or uh, enemy influences that you think are going to inflect uh, affect you negatively. Uh, again, it's that two point zone, but I think both of these abilities are worthwhile, and. The the boisterous charisma can can uh, can kind of sneak up on your opponent. That's not necessarily something that they're going to be taking into account when they're playing, and when they have their their play set up of, of what they want to do, be it an order or a tactics card or an NCU, and they try to do their thing, and it's like ah uh-uh, ah nope can't target them sorry, and then they have to read their whole strategy. That's really the whole point of bringing the ability. So yeah, I think she's fine. Yeah, and one last uh, thing before we move on from her. Just keep in mind, anyone playing her, I know targeting is, like, one of the most complex rules in Ice and Fire, like what counts as targeting a unit and whatnot. Um, So just keep that in mind. It's only when uh, the order, tactics card, or influence is targeting 
her unit. So if it's if the order is targeting their unit and they're attacking you, that is not targeting you. I, uh, I know most of us probably already kind of know that stuff, but just wanted to throw it out there. Um, all right, so moving on and kind of moving quickly through these ones just because we have so much to talk about uh, and just kind of want to get the groundwork with these attachments. Uh, so the next one we have is Nymeria Sand, uh, two-point named uh, attachment that gives advantage uh, strike. When, the, when attacking enemies that have not activated this round, this unit's melee attacks may reroll any dice and Dornish Vengeance. After this unit is attacked with a, with a melee attack, if you control the combat zone, the attacker suffers two wounds, plus one wound for each of the unit's destroyed ranks. What do you think uh, of Nymeria here? This is good. This is really good. This, this brings to mind uh, Boros Blount. Uh, for when he's attacked, you suffer a wound and then plus one wound for each destroyed rank. That requires you to control the crown, and there are ways for Lancers to control the crown. Uh, but there's a handful of ways that uh, that Martells could control the swords, uh, particularly if you're thinking about Peter. And that just means that your opponent really never wants to attack the unit that she's in. And that's pretty strong, because what you're thinking is you're putting this, again, as another two-point attachment – this has its own built-in deterrence for keeping it alive, which is which is great. Unless they can turn off Dornis Vengeance, that unit is probably not going to be attacked. And if you put her in an offensive unit, then they're going to have some pretty free reign to move around the board. Uh, Advantage Strike, also really good. Uh, we see these abilities that, uh, that, that come in when the, the opponent hasn't activated yet. We've seen a few of those on, on several abilities, but I think that this is the first one that is just a flat-out re-roll of your attack dice, which is what you want if you're going to be in sustained combat. So let's say you do get a charge first, and then your opponent doesn't want to uh, attack you, and they maybe attack something else, or maybe they, they activate later. They're going to have to attack you or retreat is their options. And if they're still there... You, you, when you attack again, you get rerolls, which is going to make your unit even more offensive. So I think it's a great combo for two points. This is one of the few two-point attachments in the game that just as is, without thinking about discounts or thinking about relentless, is worth taking because of you got uh, retribution uh, and then you also have advantage for when you're in prolonged combat. I think it's great. Yeah, when I first saw her, I I immediately was kind of trying to theorycraft with what units to put her in and kind of ways to capitalize on on her abilities cuz you know and I think uh this is very thematic as we'll get into the rest of the faction. It's thematic in the sense that uh or I don't know, maybe thematic's not the perfect word for it, but advantage strike wants you to activate her unit before whatever she's attacking. So you'll notice a trend of a super anti-NCU uh, anti, you know, anti uh, of your opponent. Um, so anyone who's played it kind of like higher competitive stuff, or even I guess casual games play a lot like this too, is you know a lot of times NCUs are the first things you're activating. Not all the time. I mean, you, you weigh it 
situation by situation, but the big thing about activating an NCU first is you're taking a spot on the board that is, is has an advantage to you while also denying it to your opponent. So it's very strong to do an NCU first. Um, whereas if you have a bunch of these abilities that reward you for going with your combat units first, uh, and I'll mention a cool combo later when we talk about uh, a certain NCU, but uh, just a abilities like this, I think, compound in the strategy of uh, Martels. So uh, I'm super excited to kind of try out that whole, uh, you know, part of, of the faction. All right, next up we have um, Oberyn Martell, the Red Viper. He's a two-point attachment who gives Expert Duelist. Each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice, choose one. This attack deals plus one wound, or target one infantry attachment in the defender's unit and roll a die, and on a uh, one or better, destroy that attachment. I'm kidding. It's still the three up. But uh, <laughs> it should be one up, just because he's the red viper. Um, and then he also gives viper's fangs uh, for his melee attacks. When attacking enemies that have not activated this round, the defender becomes vulnerable and weakened. Um, again, attacking an enemy that has not activated uh you're you know starting to see this like theme kind of emerge um where activating your ncus might not necessarily be all the best things to do uh i like him i think he's good at two points uh because expert duelist is just crazy i mean expert duelist is arguably good enough to be two points itself just because of the potential. I, I, obviously, you could go a game where you don't even kill an enemy, or yeah, an enemy's attachment at all, um, and then obviously it's not worth it. But um, I think even if we go on more on you know the more conservative side of that, I'd say it's easy one, one and a half points, uh, and then Viper's Fangs is just you know attacking first and adding uh, vulnerable and weakened is just. I don't know. I love it. So I'm super excited because, as I've said before, um, base, basically every single list I run is going to have Oberyn in it regardless, whether he's the commander, he's the attachment, or he's the NCU. He is my favorite character in the books and in the shows. So I'm excited that you know he's not the best two-point two attachment out there, but I'm happy that he's a solid two-point attachment. So a lot of the problems that we have with expert duelists usually come from them coming from commanders who you get for free. I'm looking at Drogo, Loris, uh, and uh, Vargo. When you don't have to pay any points for the expert duelist, it's really annoying. But when you do actually have to invest the points, it seems to be a little bit more fair because they're spending two points to maybe destroy a one-point attachment or another two-point attachment or your commander. They're actually having to give something up to get it. But this right here, the two points for this combo of abilities is actually really interesting. I'm looking at Viper's Fangs, and a lot of the problems that you have when you begin a round, maybe you're already engaged and you take the swords for your free attack, you're faced with a situation where your opponent may heal and then you'll have to attack again. 
or you're going to get attacked back, especially if you're the unit that you're attacking is stronger than you. But when he attacks, if they haven't activated yet, not only do they become vulnerable, they do become weakened as well. Instead of vulnerable and panicked, which is purely on offense, this is mixing some offense and some defense, being able to let your more lightly armored unit hang in there for a second attack later on in the round when they activate. On top of Expert Duelist, which not only was going to kill an attachment, but can deal an auto wound each time they attack. So let's say you do get two attacks in the round. That's two wounds plus two vulnerable tokens, potentially, unless they activate after your first. That's really good output. And again, this seems like a trend here. They're they're two-point attachment heavy already so far in what we've discussed. And I think they're worth it to me because these is just a really good strong combination of abilities uh, and going to open up some really you know strong tactics in the game that they don't mind swinging first and maybe you're going to swing back but it's not going to be as hard as you think and then they're going to hit you again it's uh yeah it looks pretty strong all right so next up we have obara sand she is a one-point attachment um, who gives Sundering and Uncontrolled Rage. When this unit activates, if it can charge an enemy, it performs one morale test. On a failure, it performs one charge action on the nearest valid enemy and counts as rolling a six for all charge distance dice. What, uh, what are your thoughts here? Perfectly fine. I mean, one point for Sundering, you kind of look at that being kind of a one-point thing. Uh, maybe a half a point, but uh, we were looking at the the units, and you look at a lot of them. It's like, man, they, they don't have sundering. You kind of worry about them going into armor. Well, here's your answer. You can make any of them sundering for a point. Uncontrolled rage we've seen on Gregor's attachments before. Uh, we don't get to see it too often because typically we're not paying the two extra points or the three points to run him in cavalry to get that uncontrolled rage. But I mean. Sometimes it's going to work to your detriment. You're going to end up charging a unit that you don't want to. You're going to charge through stakes or you're going to charge through a bog and you're going to get stuck or, or you know, something like that. It can happen where uncontrolled rage can hurt you, but sometimes it's going to help you too, uh, especially when you just get that auto six. Uh, so you end up just making it no matter what. Uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, this is perfectly fine for one point. I, I'm, I think she's got to be run a lot because there's a lot of the Martell unit that you're going to want to add Sundering to. And then they're just going to have to deal with the the potential. It's it's not automatic uh, downside. It's the potential downside to Uncontrolled Rage. Yep, and uh, we'll get... Uh... We'll get to the tactics deck in a minute, but uh, one important uh, thing that can help you counter if you really don't want to charge with her is you can always play Cunning Ploy. Uh, because both abilities have a conflicting timing, uh, you play Cunning Ploy, and the first part of the card says, this unit cannot perform actions this turn. Um, because you get to pick the order of it, Cunning Ploy can shut off that uncontrolled rage for for the, you know, you know, you only have two of it in your deck, but, you know, if you really need to, that's a, a tactic you can kind of pull. Um, I absolutely love her at one point, uh, like you are saying, Sundering for one point, and 
if you put it in the right unit and you know like your strategy and how you want it to work, that uncontrolled rage can work to your benefit. Um, an auto six charge, I mean, commanders have that as a tactics card and her just getting it, granted you can't necessarily rely on it, but you know, if you wanted to put it in a bad morale unit, uh, for example, uh, I don't know if I would do this just because I'd want it to be a little more thematic, but you could throw her in cutthroats um, for six points, especially if the opponent you're charging uh, hasn't activated, and now you can get thundering, vicious, re-rolls, even if you go over a bog because of the cutthroats ability and your opponent becomes vulnerable and you're auto six so you can't disorderly uh, and their morale is only a seven, uh, it could be a pretty cool uh, little combo. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see what, uh, what she can do for her one point. All right, next up we have Arrow uh, Hota. He is a two-point attachment who gives two orders. The first one is battle plan, start of any turn. Discard two tactics cards to search your tactics deck for any one card and add it to your hand. Shuffle your tactics deck. And order, um, mark target, start of a friendly turn. Target one enemy in line of sight uh, and long range. They become vulnerable. Now, before I... Uh, put it over to you, Cyrus, what you think is keep in mind this is not the arrow that becomes your commander, and as we'll get to later, if you take uh, Dor, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, the One of the commanders. Um, I forget his name. It's uh, Doran uh, Martell. Um, so this is not that one. This is just a two-point attachment you would take. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this guy? So this one's a little bit more conditional than the other two-point attachments that we talked about so far. So battle plan, I think we've only seen with uh, Samuel Tarley in Night's Watch for two points. The reason why I don't like battle plan in Night's Watch is you're typically not wanting to discard too many of your tactics cards. You're wanting to have them attached. If you discard them, then you don't end up getting them attached to your unit. So it seems like a really steep price to pay to, to discard two cards that could potentially be attached to a unit later to search for, for one card. Uh, however, in Martell's, you don't have that problem. So there might be some cards that are not going to benefit you that you're perfectly willing to discard to search for the card that's going to most benefit you at that moment. Uh, and it's an order, so you can do it multiple times at the start of a turn throughout the game. And then Mark Target, you know, great ability. Everybody loves vulnerable tokens. You can just hand them out to anybody that you see within long range. That's perfectly fine, too. Uh, this is not going to be as commonly used, I don't think, unless you're running a commander that has one of their commander cards as your win condition for the game. Your big strategy is like, i got to have this card. Then you're probably then you're probably going to see them. Because if I remember right, there aren't too many other ways for Martells to be able to, to tutor their deck, uh, not like the Lannisters can or even you know, Night's Watch can at some, in some instances. Uh, so this might be the way to get the one card that you need that's going to give you the most benefit in that moment. In that case, yeah, you're, you might see him, but I don't think that he's going to be on the higher end of, of attachments that you see. 
Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I think Battle Plan is um, valued a little higher than it should be, uh, no matter what faction it's in. Two cards for one card, uh, it's a lot. Um, so, and then you're looking at Mark Target, which, you know, when you have Warcry that uh, can give you two tokens, doesn't need line of sight. Um, and, you know, it's, I don't know, I could almost say that this guy could be one point and still would barely be taken. Um, uh, and I, sh- I shouldn't say barely. I, you, he'd be taken just enough uh, that I think it would be, you know, the right amount. But I think at two points, especially with the other ones that we've gone over, I just can't see him ever being taken um, outside of just playing around. Uh, so but we'll have to see. Uh, I think Battle Plan has its uses, but the number of times I've drawn into two cards I really don't like that I want to get rid of both to get one card is, it's not, you know, it's super, super rare. Because um, I've played with a handful of Battle Plan uh, attachments to try to play it out. But I think you are right. I think, um, you know, their their tactics deck isn't, you know, they have a, a handful of cards that are, especially depending what commander you run, that you don't necessarily care if you get rid of. But I don't know. I think it's very situational, which is why I think you could definitely argue him at one point and he would just be in a really solid one-point attachment. Um, Lastly, we have Harmon uh, Euler. I think that's how you say his last name. He's a one-point attachment, which gives Dornish Conviction. While you control the crown, this unit's attacks use its highest attack die value for both ranged and melee. And then he also has reinforcements. Each time this unit activates, it restores one wound, and if you control the crown, restore an additional wound. Um, Let's see. Uh, Swords, crown. There's two cards in the tactics deck that want the crown. So he's definitely, I think, um, a decent excuse me, a decent attachment for one point. Uh, I think he has a lot of potential. I don't think you'll see it right away, especially because you'll already be at highest attack die for a while, and a lot of the units don't degrade until last rank, so they'll be like 774 um, or like 764. So I don't know. We'll have to kind of see. Um, let's see, 754. Oh, so uh, we'll talk about it next, but sand skirmishers he might be uh, decent in. Um, you know, kind of given that healing with the reinforcements and then the Dornish Conviction could really help their dice. Uh, but what do you think of this guy? Uh, he's okay. Like you said, when you're dealing with ranged units, they're typically not dropping ranks unless you have something like Supply Aid, which I don't think that uh, that uh, the Martells have quite yet. But they're, One of their commanders oh, does, but that's it. Okay. So in that situation, then maybe you could be uh, pulling your uh, your wounds off of your ranged unit, which, again, they, the Martells don't have yet. They probably have to use uh, either Bastards Girls or uh, uh, Stormcrow Archers. But in that situation, then, yeah, maybe you could have them roll their highest attack die value as they're feeding wounds into their frontline units. But other than that, eh, it might not be worthwhile he's only one point. So you're, you're thinking of each of these abilities as being worth a half point in that case, maybe, 
But then again, he's also taking up an attachment slot, which, you know, as we've seen, there's no shortage of good attachments in Martell already. Reinforcements is fine. Not really too crazy unless you do control the crown. In that case, you're restoring two wounds. It's it's used okay. It, it's used in uh, Night's Watch with the Watch Recruiter. Um, I can't remember if there's any other units that have that or not. But it's it's okay, but it's definitely not uh, not too inspiring. It's like, oh, I've got to use Harmon Uller now. I, he, he's he's there if if you want to try him, but I don't think that he's going to be leading the pack as far as usages go. Yeah, I think uh, he'll be a nice little you know experimental piece. You know, throw him in from time to time. Um, but he's definitely, you know, he's definitely towards the bottom of the pack just because they have so many other great options. Um, but to kind of jump into a unit that he might be pretty decent in is the Sand Skirmishers, the first unit that we'll talk about. It's a seven-point uh, infantry unit, which has a six-move, uh, a short-ranged attack, which is three up to hit, seven, five, four, and a melee attack of hitting on four, with a 7-5-4, a 4-up defense, and a 6-up morale. Uh, and they have the order quick fire. After this unit completes a maneuver or retreat action, this unit performs one ranged attack action. And order scout openings, start of a friendly turn, target one enemy in long range until the end of the turn. Uh, friendly units attacks on that enemy may reroll any attack dice and gain precision. So, uh, like I was saying, if you throw him in here, you know, their four up, six up is just, it's like right middle of the road for defense, but that uh, reinforcements will help kind of, you know, put some more uh, more models back into the unit. And then uh, with that, uh, uh, the conviction ability, you know, their, uh, what was it, uh, when did it trigger, I already forgot. <laughs> um, so while you control the crown. So if you have the crown, not only are they going to heal two models when they activate, but uh, they'll always have seven dice for both of their ranged and their melee attack, uh, which I think is a pretty decent one-point investment. Um, but, I mean, you could say there's a lot of options you could really put in these guys. What do you think? They're interesting. It's it's a very unique combination of abilities. The quick fire is similar to what I think the Kranigman uh, trackers have, uh, but it's not quite to the power level as say Night's Watch Ranger Hunters, where they get their their charge and then their retreat and then their shot. You got to kind of set this up a little bit more. They're quick. Uh, they're definitely going to be a nuisance. And scout openings can be powerful, especially if you're lining up several uh, uh, ranged units that, that might be able to take advantage of it on that turn. Uh, you're going to have to be a little careful with them, though, because they, they are they can be a little fragile with the the four armor and the six and the six morale. So and and a little pricey. Uh, for for a nuisance type unit, they're not they're not frontliners, they're not heavy hitters. Uh, as the name implies, they're skirmishers. They're going to get in and kind of mix it up and kind of throw your opponent into a little bit of disarray, and hope that other units can take advantage. Uh, 
it's it's interesting. It's it's worth uh, playing with and and seeing how they work. Uh, there's some interesting shenanigans that you can pull off with a maneuver from the from the maneuver zone and then fire, or you know a maneuver from a card or or an objective or or, or something that allows you to get a maneuver, shoot and then on your activation shoot again, stuff like that. You can you can have some fun with, but uh, you do have to be careful with them though. Yeah, I think uh I think they definitely have a lot of potential. It'll see we'll see if that 7 point price will be uh where they should be at. I look at them and I see them as very similar in stats to uh maybe I'm off by a couple stats cuz I haven't played a lot of them, but Thornwatch cuz Thornwatch I believe hit on threes with their range, but fours with their melee. Um they just have a different set of abilities. They move with on a 6, have a 6 up morale. I think they're a 5 up save though. Um but they're only 6 points. So we'll have to see um I still really like these guys. They have great sculpts and uh, a very unique set of abilities. All right, so next up, we will talk about the Martel Spearmen. These are your, you know, your cheap five-point uh, grunts that uh, will kind of be filling in the, you know, filling in those activations. They are a so a five-point infantry unit with a five move. Their melee is a four up to hit, seven seven four, a five up defense, and a six up morale. And they have the order set for charge. When this unit is successfully charged from the front or flank, if the unit is not engaged with another enemy, it performs one melee attack action on the attacker before they resolve their melee attack. And then they also have the order tactical reposition. Start of an enemy turn. Target one friendly unit in short range. They perform a three-inch shift. So um, I'll let you take it away with this one. What are your thoughts on the Spearman? So these guys, they're interesting. Now, I have a like-hate relationship with Set for Charge. I have talked bad about Set for Charge on multiple occasions, how I, I don't really like how Set for Charge fits into the game the way that it's played right now. Uh, you, you're typically going to have a situation where your opponent will charge a unit with set for charge if they can turn the ability off or if they feel like that they can tank the hit or if they're desperate. Now, in this situation here, you may get an opponent that might be a little overconfident because they, they might charge into the unit. They're only hitting on fours uh, with seven dice and no other abilities, no sundering nothing they might feel like that they can tank that hit but with certain cards in the tactics deck or, or certain attachments they might have to rethink that you could throw obara in here and give them sundering and make them similar to the halberdiers and in the lannisters uh there's there's some things that you can do here to make these guys work uh, you can't really treat them like the other set for charge units because a lot of those are are more defensive uh, Night's Watch have better armor, better morale. Uh, the Targaryen spearmen, the Unsullied uh, pikemen, uh, have better armor, better morale. Uh, and the Halberdiers hit harder with better armor. So you can't just throw these guys out there and expect them to hold up to, to pressure. But they can throw 
some some unique challenges to to your opponent to make them think it's like okay do i charge them do they have something in hand that's going to make me regret charging into them uh, and then tactical reposition on a base infantry unit is, is also really good because that's going to cause even more problems for your opponent if i charge in am i going to have units suddenly surround me and now i'm really in trouble that's the type of stuff that that is good for the game to think about so I th- I think it's good, especially at that five points. Uh, the other units are more expensive, and you you hate having to pay that much for for set for charge. But at five points, I actually think it's worth it, uh, even though these guys are a little bit more fragile with their five armor and their six morale. Uh, these guys could uh, see some run and 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 be pretty interesting for your opponent to deal with. Yeah, I I think the fact that these guys are five points is uh, a lot of the reason why I like them uh, with their current like layout. Um, you know that that set for charge allows these these guys to be like a perfect uh, two of in a list. Maybe not both lists if you're playing a two list format, but like having a single list where you're just trying to get some act uh, beef up your activations. You just run two units of this, no attachments. Um, you plant them, let's say Game of Thrones, you plant them on the objectives. Now you have set for charge if your opponent comes at you, and you have that tactical reposition to really, you know, catapult or, uh, you know, fling your other units kind of into the face of your opponent. Um, and, you know, they're able, they're going to be able to hold their own. So uh, I think tactical reposition is a huge reason why I like these guys. Uh, the set for charge is really nice too, but in the seven, you know, not degrading uh, and just being seven, seven, four. Um, but the tactical reposition, you have to think after um, round one and two, you know, going into round two, basically a unit, if you use it on the same unit is essentially going to get a free, Three, uh, six inch uh, inches of shift, three in round one and three in round uh, two. Um, these guys are really going to allow you to become a lot faster uh, as an infantry uh, faction. Uh, and I think uh, you know a lot of people always underestimate the Windermere uh, three inch shift. Um, you know, this uh, I think this will be very similar. Um, all right, so next up we have. The Sun Spear Dervishes. This is a six-point infantry unit that has a six move. Um, it has a melee attack which hits on fours, seven six four for dice, a four up mor- uh, sorry a four up defense and a six up morale. And they have the order Swift Retreat. After an enemy completes a melee attack on this unit, this unit performs one retreat action. Has the Dervish Blades gives them precision, and when attacking enemies that have not activated this round, this attack gains critical blow, and elusive escape. This unit may reroll any retreat distance dice. Enemies this unit disengage from may not pivot and become weakened. Uh, personally, I absolutely love this unit. Um, has a, a really cool, unique set of uh, um, abilities. A nice stat line. You know, it's nothing like amazing, and hitting on fours kind of rough, but that precision, and then again, another ability that when attacking enemies that have not activated this round, uh, gaining another ability uh, really just pushes for you to either take that combat zone or just uh, you know, activating your unit to uh, 
you know, get that swing in first rather than an NCU. Um, and not only that, but swift retreat. If your opponent wants to attack you, you can then get a elusive escape, uh, re-rolling your retreat distance, making them weakened, allowing you to charge back in and help with that hitting on fours so you can get at least get re-rolls there. Um, absolutely, again, I absolutely love this unit. Um, I think one uh, cool attachment you could give to these guys is, you know, if you want to go the route of, uh, you know, not caring if you need, or if you want to go the route of needing the, the wealth zone, uh, you can either run Braun in these guys or a Stormcrow Lieutenant. A Lieutenant in here is going to give them Sundering, and they're always going to have seven dice, assuming you have the wealth zone. Uh, Braun will make them able to get additional attacks if you take the wealth zone and uh, target them. Or, and if you have the Wealth Zone, they're going to be a 3-up, 5-up. Uh, I've talked a lot about this with the um, Baratheon Sentinels. Uh, you know, making a unit from a 4-up, 6-up to a 3-up, 5-up is a big difference in defense. I mean, that's, you know, in my opinion, it only is by one for each stat, but in my opinion, that's, that's a huge jump in defensiveness. Um, so what do you think of these guys? These guys are my favorite unit of the lot by far. Uh, the the shenanigans that you could be able to pull off with the combination of Swift Retreat and Elusive Escape, these guys are going to be really hard to pin down. And I don't think we've seen that combination just within a unit's you know uh, standard abilities before. I think you could accomplish something like that with attachments and, and other units, but not like this. Uh, I see these guys charging into a flank of an opponent and your opponent's going to have to deal with the situation that, okay, do I turn to face when I attack them? Cause then they're going to take off and then I'm stuck here. And then I might end up getting skirmishers maneuvering up and then shooting me in the side. Uh, situations like that are going to come up and it's just going to be a lot of fun. So for those who really enjoy playing the the positioning aspect of of the game and trying to get your your units just in the right spot where they can be the most uh have the most advantage these guys are are what you're going to want to run now we've seen a couple trends here we've seen the the two-point attachment trend we've seen the when uh, attacking an enemy that hasn't activated trend i'm also seeing a trend where we're really order heavy on these units. We, we're going to talk about four units today and there's seven orders over those four units. It's pretty wild to me. So they might be vulnerable to abilities that can turn off orders that you might, you might be counting on those orders. They might be able to be uh, countered in some way. Uh, or you might run into trouble with uh, with overlap between tactics cards and and the timings on some of these some of these orders. So, but that's that's one thing that popped out to me as I was looking at these at units. They got a lot of orders on them. I think more than a lot of units that we've seen before, as far as just the uh, the what what's the word I'm looking for the not the consistency of it, but just how dense. Uh, the, the the fact that all these units have all these orders on them it's pretty wild yeah and uh i think that um let's see i'm looking here attachments and a, a couple of the uh attachments have some orders but uh of all the ones that we talked about that we actually liked a lot 
Uh, none of them even have an order other than, like, the Threaten. But, like, uh, Harmon, Obara, Oberyn, um, Namiria, uh, uh, Eliah, um, all of those don't have any orders. So I think I think maybe that was sort of a theme. I don't know, maybe it was just coincidence that they're like, okay, units are going to be order heavy, but then the attachments are not. Um, because, you know, it's always kind of goofy, like, when you got an attachment that has an order and then uh, you have uh, or two orders and then your attachment or your unit has the one or two and then you have, like, three or four on one unit. Um, so, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of, you know, how that will implement with the, the strategy of the faction having so many orders on the units. And then lastly, we have the Sun Spear Royal Guard. Um, now I'm almost in the same boat as you, Cyrus, that the last unit, I can't decide if this unit or that unit's my favorite. As far as the sculpts, the, um, the dervishes are my favorite sculpt by far. Um, and then, and then I would say the Royal Guard is second to them. But as far as stats, um, I don't know, uh, I'm... I think uh, I'll need some play testing for, to be able to decide between them. But this unit is a f uh, seven-point infantry unit. It has a five-inch move. It has a melee attack hitting on uh, threes with seven, seven, four, a four-up defense, and a five-up morale. It has two orders, the first one being martial training. When this unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, this attack may reroll any attack dice, and the defender becomes vulnerable. And it also has the order shield wall. When an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit after rolling defense dice, if this unit is being attacked from the front or flank, it blocks one hit plus one for each of its remaining. Or sorry, it, it blocks one hit for each of its remaining ranks. Um, so either three, two, or one. Uh, I I'll let you take it off or you know uh, start it off with this one. What do you think? So these guys are great. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this unit. I just really like the maneuvering aspects of the previous one. But whenever you can mix offensive output and defense without having to invest, you know, too much of your resources as far as attachments or or cards go, uh, you're you're in a good spot because. These guys have, have decent enough defense along with shield wall, and they have good offensive output with their stat line along with martial training. It's just solidly balanced, as Thanos would say, as all things should be. Uh, the only problem that I would have is is they're expensive. I mean, they're they're going to be seven points, similar to the skirmishers, or not? Yeah, the skirmishers. Uh, it, it's expensive. Uh, I, I know from playing Night's Watch, with everything being seven points, it's it's really hard to list this list build when you're when you when all of your units are seven points. Um, and when you're already spending that much, you're not going to want to put any additional attachments into it unless you have a specific plan. So that's what the only reason why these guys fall back a little bit is is the price. But as far as just balance goes, you could, you could splash one of these in just about every army that you've run and you're going to be just fine. Uh, yeah, the, 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 it's a, it's a great unit it's a great combo. I wish some of the other units in the game had this combination. Uh, the, the, they're going to be fine. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, they are definitely on the more expensive side, but you know, I've always, I've always hated Swan Brothers in Night's Watch. I always felt like they were too good. Now, granted, that could also be from you know just attaching all these different attach cards, you know, for the shield and the sword in the darkness and all these different things. But with that said, even if you start attaching some of these cards to them, guys just seem better. Um, you know, and I, I hate to say that cause I don't want to see these guys get nerfed, you know, really quickly, but you know, you're looking at, uh, Sworn Brothers have a five move, four up defense and a five up morale. So they all have the same, stats as those they both hit on threes they both have martial training they both uh their dice are both seven at max and four at lowest but now you got to ask yourself is hitting uh having seven dice instead of five at second rank and sundering instead of shield wall what would you prefer the five at second rank and sundering or seven dice at second rank and shield wall i think i don't know i i I, I, I can think tell these you, guys are just better. Night's Watch prefer Shield Wall because they're having a, a little bit of a difficult time with their defense right, lately, and uh, yep. Shield Wall is a really, really good ability. Now I've, I've talked about it before the effects and abilities that can shut off orders is increasing in the game, uh, and you know whenever you run against that and somebody says I. I'm going to turn off shield wall for the round, or you can't use it for this turn. And you were counting on having that. It really does suck. But in the yep. matchups where they don't have that type of control, you're, you're feeling really good about it because shield wall, I know hardened is a pain in the neck because it's also not an order. So you can use it on every attack that you receive, but I really like shield wall because it works right off the bat you don't have to wait until you've you know taken wounds for it to start feeling its full effect uh shield wall is is really good and it can keep you in the game for longer keeping you battle uh battle ready or or combat efficient longer uh than even hardened can so hardened is kind of your last ditch like trying to survive on one wound and hope that you have abilities that can keep you going uh but shield wall it's just it's just a big nope you know you hit me for five and i blocked two and then i blocked the other three and you did nothing yep so yeah it's a good unit yeah i love it i have uh two on pre-order again i'll mention this just because uh, when I say pre-order, I mean I have told my local shop that I want two of them. <laughs> Not that there's an actual like pre-order up, um, but gimme, yeah, gimme. I, I want two of these. Yep, and I can't wait to use them. Uh, how often I'll use two in one list? That uh, that won't be that often. I don't think these guys are like broken at seven points. I just think they're really good. Um, that said, let's uh, jump into um, the commanders. Or no, we'll do the tactics cards first just because with the commanders, we're going to be talking about their tactics cards. Uh, so first up, um, if you're okay with Cyrus, I'm just going to read through all seven to kind of sure. save on some time. And then we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk about the ones that we kind of want to go over. So the first one I'll talk about is Cunning Ploy because we've seen this one before. When a friendly combat unit activates, this unit cannot perform actions this turn. Instead, target one other friendly combat unit. It performs one maneuver, march, or retreat action. If you control the swords before they perform their action, one enemy in long range becomes vulnerable. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, another one that uh, we've seen before is superior positioning. When an enemy performs a charge action before resolving that action, if the enemy charges a unit in the front, they suffer a disorderly charge on a on charge distance rolls of three or less. If they suffer a disorderly charge, they become vulnerable. All right. So and then going into the the next five are all unique to the faction. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is. Uh, Rahonish Vengeance, I believe, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, start of any turn, target one enemy combat unit and attach this card to them until the end of the game. When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place one order token on this card. When this card has a token, each time this unit attacks, for each attack die roll of a one, they suffer one wound. While this card has a token and this unit's opponent controls the crown, each time this unit is targeted by a tactic zone, before resolving that zone's effect, they suffer one wound. Uh, next up is Sand Diplomacy, start of any round. Your opponent chooses one tactic zone, then you choose one tactic zone the first time one of those zones is claimed this round, before resolving that zone's effect, the NCU that claimed that zone loses all abilities until the end of the round, and that player's opponent may target one combat unit. They become weakened. Uh, next up, we have Dune Tactics. When an enemy unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, if the defender has the same or more destroyed ranks as the attacker, the attack rolls its lowest attack die value. If you control the crown after this attack is completed, the attacker becomes vulnerable and panicked. Uh, next, we have unbowed, unbent, unbroken. When a friendly unit is performing a panic test after rolling dice, that unit may re-roll any dice for this test. If you control the swords, they pass this test instead. Target one enemy in long range of this unit and attach this card to them until they are targeted by the swords or until one of your friendly combat units is destroyed. While attached, the enemy suffers minus two to their morale test rolls. And then lastly, we have rising temperatures. When an enemy combat unit activates, attach this card to that unit until they are targeted by the swords. While attached, this unit suffers the following effects based on the game round, and effects are cumulative. On round two or more, uh, unit cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards. Uh, turn th uh, round three or more, units attack suffer minus one to hit, and four or greater, units cannot restore wounds. Um, so the first two, you know, the ones that we've seen before are so-so. They have some, uh, uh, some, you know, Cunning Ploy, I think, is a, a perfect card to kind of play on your Spearmen. You know, once they're on the, the objective, that could be very useful, especially with the Skirmishers and getting a free retreat, march maneuver, all that stuff. Or even with the, uh, um, what are they called, the... Sorry, the dervishes. Give them the dervishes a free retreat. But also the sand skirmishers, you could give the free maneuver to get that quick fire. Um, so definitely has its uses. Plus throwing out a vulnerable token would be nice. And then spears positioning, we've talked about it before. This made it both, uh, I believe, for both of us, made it to like the bottom five um, uh, tactics cards. Did not seem very useful at all. Um, so, but it is what it is. Uh, the other five that we'll be talking about, I think, are all really great. Um, first one, uh, we'll kind of dive into what do you, what are your thoughts on the 
uh, Rohonish Vengeance. So real quick on superior positioning, and one of the reasons why it, it made my worst cards uh, list is that it was a commander card. Your commander only gets three cards, and when one of them is a, is a clunker, it, it hurts a little bit. But when you have a card like that that's in your basic deck, you don't tend to mind so much. So superior positioning here in the basic deck for the, the Martells, I think it's okay. Uh, if you you know draw it early, you don't mind discarding it or pitching it for Arya Hota's uh, battle plans. But if you draw it in a round that you're going to get charged, eh, might as well play it. You may get something good out of it. But as far as Ruinish yep. Vengeance, uh, th- this is the this we've seen this before with the uh, uh, oh this isn't an on death card oh yeah it is uh, so this every faction got one of these and this one might be one of the more interesting kinds but it's going to require a little bit more uh, uh, tracking you're going to have to keep an eye on this one because it involves every time they roll an, an attack. You're going to have to watch out for those ones. Uh, now, as for each attack that I roll of one, if, if you're piling on the weakened tokens like you potentially could, we've seen a lot of abilities that stack weakened tokens, this thing could stack up quick. So you're going to be, have to watch out for those ones. And if they're trying to heal themselves by targeting themselves uh, with the bag, then... You know, you might end up having uh, to deal the deal once, so you're only going to end up healing two. Uh, let me see. And uh, let's see before resolving that effect. So if they have a unit that's down to one wound left, and they go to try to heal it, they're going to die first before they heal, which I find to be hilarious. Uh, yeah. So it, if if you're throwing out a bunch of weakens and you have uh, vengeance turned on. This thing could be dealing a lot of wounds, and it could get out of control if uh, if you're not careful. So, and there's there's no way to remove this card, is there? Nope. Um, it's stuck I don't on, think so. It's stuck on until the end of the game. Wow. So when you're attacking, you have to be really mindful if you have this card attached to one of your units, and if you're not getting rerolls or if you're already weakened, or for certainly for both, uh, you got to watch it because you could end up chewing up your own unit off of this card. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is definitely one of the stronger cards of the Tactics deck. Um, obviously, it's not going to turn on right away, but um, it, I think... I don't know, it's when a friendly infantry or cavalry is destroyed. Da-da-da. Now the question would be, okay, I'm assuming it's talking about your own unit. So if I place this on my enemy, as soon as one of my units dies, it activates. Um, oh, not wait, one so, so hold on. I think you got a point. I think that either this is a mistake or because they did reverse the wording at the bottom of the card, but they That's didn't reverse I, yeah. the wording at the top of the card. Yeah. So you're supposed to read the top all together, and then that's when the wording reverses. So, yeah, because it's, it, it's vengeance. It's for when a Martell unit dies. 
not necessarily when you kill an opponent because that would just be super snowball-y uh, if that was the case. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So just that, yeah, that's how you got to read it. Is you, if one of your units dies, then you get to put an order token on it on while it's attached to an enemy unit. Yeah, I think that would be the best way to interpret it is the first paragraph because it's talking about attaching the card and when it activates is all talking about you place it on your opponent and it's when one of your units dies, uh, it will activate. Once activated, it now it's attached to their unit, so now the verbiage will, verbiage will reverse, uh, making it make a lot more sense. But who knows? Anything can really happen with this game sometimes. So, But I would say that's the safest bet and what makes the most sense, especially with the title, like you had mentioned. But this card is amazing. Um, I can't wait to try it out. Uh, those auto wounds could really put a, a, a hindrance on a lot of things, like you were saying with weakened tokens. Um, there's not a ton of weakened out there, but you know, Sand Diplomacy, we'll talk about in a second, can throw one out. Um, uh, Oberyn Attachment can throw it out. Uh, and then the Threaten can throw them out. Um, so uh, we'll have to see, you know, I think this card has, it, it, it could be game-changing if you can get it activated. Um, next up, we'll talk about Sand Diplomacy, start of, that's the start of any round one. Uh, so I think this is just another one of those uh, pieces of the puzzle that helps you really hinder your opponent's NCUs. And I think the point of it was that, um, you know, three NCUs kinda, can kind of run a little rampant. Um, some would argue that a lot of the stuff is making it stronger for three NCUs. Um, I don't know, time will tell, but this one is, you know, claiming, uh, each player claiming a zone, again, it just, I'll keep mentioning it throughout the episode, but it just further incentivizes you to not even claim a spot on the zone yourself, but uh, but just activate your combat units. Especially, uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but with the new um, the new tactic zone that they uh, have, if your opponent takes it, takes it and forces you to activate uh, a combat unit. Um, as your next action, which that's the zone does, or part of it, um, again, would be like, oh, all right, sure, uh, I'll activate my unit that uh, gets these bonuses that uh, happen when they activate before your unit. So, um, and then you uh, you can throw that weakened token out if your opponent is trying to claim the, the board before you. Um, so I like this card a lot. It's not going to be one of those cards that you just play you don't necessarily want to play it every round, which I think could really hurt this card. So, like, you could draw it, and then, um, especially if you draw it with the tactic zone, because uh, it's a start-of-round trigger, uh, it could be a little clunky, especially if you, let's say, round two, you draw it, you get it, but then round three, when you would finally be able to play it, you might not want to play it. You might not want this effect, so it then could be a, a dead card for a whole round and a half. So, I don't know but I think it has a ton of potential. What do you think? Uh, I'm kind of down the middle of the road on this one. Uh, it is start of round. This isn't quite like Intrigue at Subterfuge where your opponent activates their NCU and you're like, ha-ha, gotcha, your NCU doesn't have any abilities <laughs> this round. Uh, you're going to see it coming. It's going to be up to you whether you claim the zone or not. 
uh, and you also get to choose a zone. So this could actually backfire because uh, both of you get to pick one. And uh, I, we've seen, we've talked about it before. I think Peter Baelish is going to become MVP after Martell's hit because he's going to allow you to be able to work around this sort of thing. Uh, also, NCUs that don't necessarily have any abilities that you're going to be looking out for. Uh, some NCUs have abilities that trigger when they activate and not necessarily when they claim a zone or their once-per-game abilities that have already triggered. Uh, you don't necessarily mind, you know, let's say the bags is one of the zones that's taken. Uh, you can then claim the bag and then remove the weekend token. Uh, so it, it may not necessarily hurt you that much. Uh, let's see here. Until the end of the round, and then that player's opponent may target one combat. So they do get to choose the weekend. So I thought you got to choose your own target for the weekend. Uh, in that case, maybe not, because they're going to pick a unit that won't benefit you if you, you did pick the bags. Uh, there's going to be some units that might not mind being weakened as much as others. But if they have that Ruinous Vengeance card on them, then, yeah, they're definitely not going to want to be weakened. So I'm, I'm, I'm down the middle of the road on this one. This isn't quite the, the big boogeyman card as, as Ruinous Vengeance is. Uh, it, it could be okay. I'll say it, it could be okay. Yeah, I think the worst thing going for it is that start around trigger. But otherwise, I think once you play enough games with this card, you'll really be able to, I think, make pretty good use out of it. Uh, especially if, um, depending, it, I think it'd also be highly matchup dependent um, based on what NCUs your opponent brings. Because they could bring a bunch of NCUs, let's say, that could care less if their abilities are turned off, especially if they, let's say it's, it's Tycho and you already Tycho'd and so he has technically no abilities. Um, you could be like, oh, all right, weaken something. Uh, I'm going to take the zone anyways. Um, so I, it really, I think, will be matchup dependent. Um, next up, we have the Dune Tactics we'll talk about. So um, what do you think uh, of this one here? So this is actually really good. This might actually be a slightly better bribery. Uh, it doesn't attach to a unit for the for the round or until they remove it from uh, the bags or, or from passing a morale test. But basically all you have to do is have the same ranks or, or more, wait, more or less. The defender has the same or more destroyed ranks. So you could be in a weaker position than your opponent or the same position as your opponent. And they just roll their lowest attack die value. And that could be really hampering. Go ahead. So they would have to be weaker though. If the defender has the the same or more destroyed ranks. So if you have more destroyed ranks than the attacker, yeah, you're the defender. So you have, you're weaker. So you have more destroyed ranks than your opponent. Uh, Let's see. Same or more destroyed. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it's, so it's your it's so it's your defender, and the attacker has three ranks and you have two, then they will be affected by this card. Um, so, yeah, so they'll just roll their lowest attack die value, which could save your bacon, especially if, if, you're, if they're already weakened, and you might be able to get out of that attack scot-free. And not only that, but in addition, if you control the crown, then you get to throw out some tokens and be able to hit them hard, the next time you activate. So 
great card, great uh, combination of effects. Uh, I think it's really strong. Now, it is melee only, so it won't necessarily work for ranged attacks, which is where Bribery really comes in if you're able to throw it out on ranged attack and not have to worry about any arrows coming into your face. Uh, but yeah, because uh, the Martell units seem to be a little bit on the light armor side, this type of thing is going to help them out. So I think this is a great card. All right, Rising Temperatures. This is probably my favorite card, um, and that's just because of uh, what it could mean. Uh, when an enemy, you know, it's the you attach it, and it has the accumulative uh, effects. Um, unit cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards. So it's all three abilities, and starting as early as round two, are all really huge. Granted, it falls off if... Uh, if they're targeted by the combat zone, but you can, uh, we'll talk about, oh, I guess we never talked about the NCUs, but, um, you know, this card has a lot of potential with, um, uh, what's her name? Um, I think it's uh, Tyrene, Tyene Sand. Uh, We'll talk about her in a second because we're almost done with tax cards here. But, uh, the I think being able to prevent your opponent from necessarily taking the combat zone and getting this attached can really uh, really put your opponent in a tough spot because not being able to restore wounds, especially if you're going to run, we'll talk about again. We'll talk about uh, Oberon uh, Martell Commander having the ability to prevent your opponent from restoring wounds uh, is pretty huge. What do you think of this card? Yeah, it's a great card. You have a lot of control on when you put this card out because it's when an enemy combat unit activates. You're going to be able to pick which unit that you want to target with this card, so you could wait until they activate one of their weaker ones that might already be down a bunch of wounds already. Uh, Can't be targeted by friendly tactics cards. I mean, uh, say goodnight, Night's Watch. So so what? You have a bunch of vows. You can't attach them to your unit anymore. Uh, minus one to hit and cannot restore runes, so Amon can't even help you anymore. Uh, and then, like I said, you have control over when you put this out. So if you're going first the next round and you're going to be able to take the swords anyway, they're going to be going a good round, round and a half uh, with this card attached to them, and it's gonna it's gonna cause them some problems. This is this is a tough card, uh, and I see it uh, see it causing causing some trouble. Yep. Uh, all right, last card, Unbound, Unbent, Unbroken. Um, this is the reroll test and auto pass if you control the swords. Um, amazing card, and this, is, you know, talked about this before, but any card that lets you reroll, let alone have an ability to auto pass a panic test, is huge. There's so many uh, little things out there, and I say little because all over the place, but there's like one or two things where, you know, a certain panic test can just like completely obliterate your unit, whether it be Melisandre for like five, six wounds or something, or there's too many, or like a a super uh, Lannister supremacy, and just having a card to just say, I just pass. Uh, and it's after dice are rolled, meaning um, unless some weird situation happens, your opponent's going to have to expend their panic token first uh, if uh, before you even play this card. So, um, and then you can attach it to, uh, to an enemy 
and while attached until they are targeted by the swords, um, have minus two to their morale, uh, which could combo with that uh, so discord. So I think uh, this card has a lot of potential. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be one of those cards that's very undervalued at first, um, but I like it a lot. Uh, this is really good. This reminds me of the uh, Broken Resolve card from Tywin uh, that revolved around a weakened token. So you, if that gets spent or removed, then that card just comes off. Now, this one has a much stricter requirement for taking the, the card off. So this this card's going to be attached to units for quite a while, and they're going to be stuck with that minus two morale. So if you're able to stack Vicious or a corpse pile or anything like that. This could lead to a lot of failed panic tests. This is a really strong card too. All right, so we still have a bit of a, t a bit of time left, but we are we still have all the NCUs and commanders to go through. So we're gonna try to do like a, a speed round while still not uh, you know we're still gonna try to cover uh, some of the big stuff uh, in depth. But uh, so going to the NCUs first, just because. A lot of, uh, you know, uh, the things that we've been talking about kind of hinge around some of these NCUs that have such powerful abilities. The first one is uh, Tyene Sand. She has the ability, uh, she's a four po uh, five point NCU that has uh, healing hands. At the start of round two, choose one tactic zone. The next time an enemy NCU claims that zone, attach the Strangler Poison card to that NCU. Um, I don't know if uh, – I don't think Stats has that. I have it on my phone, though. But basically the next – okay, go ahead. So the Strangler, at the end of each round, place one order token on this card. If this card has two order tokens, destroy the unit that this card is attached to. Yep. So basically um, – you know, it will kill your opponent's NCU uh, if they take it. There's ways, uh, I wouldn't say it ways around it necessarily, but you can really minimize her, especially as a five-point NCU. Um, you can't necessarily turn her off because she is start of the round, so you can't, like, Elena her and then not allow her to uh, uh, target a zone because the zone she targets is there forever. So if we start around two, I say wealth zone. The very next NCU that claims that or enemy, so only your opponent that claims that zone will have the strangler attached. You won't be able to Elena her later. Um, now Littlefinger will be able to get around this pretty uh, pretty decently by just taking a different zone and choosing the zone that you uh, uh, instill getting that effect. Uh, also keep in mind Littlefinger will be able to claim the swords and target uh, do a different ability and target your, uh, let's say if you attach uh, one of those cards, the attachment cards, because remember you're just replacing the effect. They're still targeted by the attack. So if you place one of these attached cards and they place little finger there and then they use the little finger to target the wealth, heal that unit, they're still targeted by the combat zone so the cards will fall off. Um, but with that said, Tyene uh, Sand will, uh, will the Strangler, you know, it, it definitely is a big deterrent. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, um, upsides to doing a bunch of different zones. You could say, you could pick a zone that your opponent needs for their card effects. You could pick the Wealth because you don't want them ever healing because, you know, you want to really 
put that damage through and then only heal yourself when you need it. Or you could just pick the combat zone, which would probably be the most popular option, so that your opponent isn't claiming the swords to have your cards fall off. Um, and then it allows you to take the free attack every round without your opponent being able to. Um, but uh, before I talk about all of it, uh, um, Cyrus, what do you think of her? Uh, an excellent control piece. I mean, to be able to essentially deny your opponent the use of a tactic zone is just really, really strong. Even at the five points, I think it's worth it. There is some misconception on exactly how this works. I've seen some people say, well, at the start of the game, you start tacking on order tokens. And by the by round two, it's going to have two order tokens on it. So as soon as somebody claims a zone, they instantly die. That is not how this works. The Strangler is not considered in play until after it's attached to a unit. So start of round two, if somebody claims the zone that has been marked by the Strangler, then they get the card attached, and then two at the end of that round and the, at the end of the next round, that NCU will die. Um because if it was the other way around and they instantly died, then there would be no need for this order token nonsense. They would just say, well, if you claim the zone, you automatically die. So that's how it's supposed to work. Uh, hopefully we don't have to uh, deal with that misconception when we're playing. It's just, it, it, it's not in play until it's attached. Uh, but the denial is great. Now there are workarounds for it. I think Gilly is a pretty hilarious choice. If she ever goes to your choice of when you get to activate her, you could get, have her get poisoned and die and really not affect you at all. Uh, Corrin Halfhand, he also has a sacrifice where you could be able to get poisoned but sacrifice him before it will matter. Uh, there are some workarounds, but not very many, and those are all in Night's Watch. And the rest of them, I think Eddard has a sacrifice ability as well. Uh, it's just a really, really strong uh tactic zone denial effect that I think is actually going to be used a lot and it's going to be annoying to deal with. Now, later rounds, round four and round five, it's going to lose its effectiveness because by then they're going to be able to claim a zone. And if they do claim it in round five, uh, they will die at the end of round six, and that will count towards your points destroyed if we're talking about in a tournament or, or a competitive sense. Uh, so you, you'll have to be watching out for that, but... Uh, it won't really affect you that much as far as gameplay goes because the game will be over by then. Yep, and I think at five points it's fair. Um, there's enough workarounds and that uh, that I think it it'll we'll have to see. I mean, time will tell, but I think it, it's a it's a nice piece that uh, Cmon has created. Next up, we'll talk about uh, uh, Elaria Sand. She is a four-point NCU, which is each time she claims a zone, target one friendly combat unit, you may remove one condition token from them. If you control the swords, target two enemy units in long range of the targeted friendly unit. Place one condition token on each of those enemies. Um, so uh, I'll, before I let you take it away here, I almost like it's a, a question I have in my head you have to remove a condition token to then do the second effect because if you haven't removed the condition token, you haven't targeted your unit, which means you would have no basis for the long range for the two enemies. So 
I think we need to get to a point in the game where it has to be either ruled by by CMON in an FAQ or, or rules outlet that if you have any effects that have targets, you need to declare those targets first before resolving. I mean, we have to do that with Tywin. He has to declare all of his targets before he can resolve any of his abilities. And we're running into that with Adam Marbrand. Like, if you draw two cards but then target a unit with the with the condition token, uh, can he cancel the zone and now you can't draw your two cards? I think that it, that would be an easy way of getting around these problems if you just declare targets first and then do your resolution. And if we did that, then, yeah, you could target your own unit, but then decline to do that part of your resolution and then just skip to the second part of your resolution. That makes uh, sense. But as it stands right now, it is a little fuzzy. Uh, but if you just say, look, I'm targeting this unit, but I'm declining to remove a condition token, and then I'm going to do the second part of my ability, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, that makes sense to me. Uh, so what do you think of her? It's great. Uh, token removal is awesome. I mean, we've seen the token removal effects, and they get used a lot. You just hate having your units with tokens on them. And being able to potentially uh, put two other tokens... ...use that might get run ahead of her, but it, it's strong and definitely if, you, if you've got like four points left over it's like oh, i'm not sure what to bring you bring her she'll she'll give you some good run yeah i think uh to be totally honest i think she is crazy good at four points um especially because she doesn't have to claim the swords i think i don't know i would almost venture to say she's too good for four points i think if she had to be the one to take the swords and um, it would make it a little more uh, fair, but because as it is, you could um, claim the swords, and especially if you've put uh, the strangler on the wealth, uh, and they don't take the wealth, you could then take her on the wealth, heal three, heal two condition tokens, and then place two condition tokens. I think it. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying it's like so broken or anything i'm not saying that i'm just saying it's really strong for four points uh so i mean i'm excited to play it uh, and we'll see if you know if my my uh thoughts are correct on it uh next up we have nymeria sand she is a uh, influence four point ncu when influencing a friendly combat unit uh, or sorry when influencing a friendly infantry unit if you or your opponent controls the crown its melee attacks gain vicious. If you or your opponent controls the swords, you gain critical blow. If you or your opponent controls the uh, oasis, I forget what it's called, the new zone, it gains plus one move. And that's huge. Um, I, was, uh, I think, you know, if you can somehow combo it so you have all three of these zones taken up by either you or your opponent, um, that gaining vicious critical blow and plus one move all for a four point NCU. Again, I think it's crazy good. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on her? Oh, this is excellent. Cause it's not just uh, an effect that you just get in that moment, 
like some cards are where it just takes a snapshot of that moment. It's like, okay, if these zones are controlled, then you get this. No, this is an influence. This is an ongoing effect. So as these zones get taken by either you or your opponent, this unit is gaining those abilities. So absolutely perfect. I mean, just, just excellent. Because uh, uh, we noticed a lot of the units so far are lacking keywords there's no sundering there's a conditional critical blow there's no vicious so if you're wanting to get access to some of those keywords then she's going to be the way that you get them and just the wide openness of it just being you or your opponent to control these zones it's just so good i mean this is just the excellent design space i really like it yeah and i think that also goes to the fact that like you were saying i didn't even pick up on this but you can activate her right away put her on a zone influence a unit and now you're telling your you're telling your opponent hey if you take that zone you're giving my unit vicious or you're giving it critical blow or a plus one move um so i think it's uh you know definitely uh like you said an awesome design space and i kind of you know i love it uh not only that or you could just wait to play her uh until you see what zones have been taken again um allowing you to not be pressured to take uh zones on the board uh all right next up we have oberon martell hot tempered a four point ncu i'm glad he's four points just for simply the affordability because like i said i want to run him in every list not to mention whatever his ability is i'm just saying I, i'm glad i can just kind of throw in a four point over and if i need to um anyways he has the influence ability when uh where he when he claims his own attach it to a combat unit until the end of the round while influencing a friendly unit each time an enemy attacks this unit with a melee attack before resolving that attack the attacker suffers two hits plus one hit for each of the defenders remaining ranks uh, that is <laughs> i'll let you start off because i know you you absolutely love loris and growing strong uh, yeah, it, it's it's so good. I mean, the, the the auto hits meta that we're entering is is pretty. Uh, it's actually kind of oppressive when you really think about it. Because uh, th again, this is another example of no, you don't want to attack this unit. You imagine combining <laughs> Oberon with Nymeria. If you attack this unit, you're going to get two hits and two wounds plus one hit and plus one wound for each destroyed rank, you can't hit them. You can't hit the unit. <laughs> even, if they're, even if you're sure they're going to be destroyed, you, ca you can't hit them because you're going to take four wounds and four hits. Oh, my gosh. All right. So it's, it's, it's conditional, all right, because you, uh, you do have to foreshadow how, you're going to have to telegraph. I'm sorry, that's the word I'm looking for. You have to telegraph where this is going to go. But you just basically put it on a unit that, that's out there that might get hit, and this is just a deterrence for it to not get hit. It's, 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 it's good. I like it. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to be tough to deal with, especially for units that lack armor, because uh, they're not going to be able to deal with those hits as well as, as the armored units will. So... It's uh, it's pretty good. This will be a key piece to fighting against free folk. Uh, I mean, granted, this is amazing, like in, in most any list, but 
um, you know, if you're facing free folk a lot, you know, this this is going to be something that, you know, they're really not going to be able to attack you. Um, but, uh, yeah, for four points, this is, you know, it's, it's hold the line that will trigger uh, all the time, not just when you activate. It's, it's triggering as long as he gets on the board and influences the unit that you want every time they try to attack you it's gonna it's gonna go off um so it's i don't know i i am super excited to try them out but then again five auto hits i think is quite a bit for a four point ncu so we'll see um where uh where it goes and then lastly we have doran martell prince of doran probably the most second most either the most or second most talked about NCU between him and uh, Tyene. Um, he is a four-point NCU, which each time Doran Martell claims his own, indicated for the round, place one order token on him. Round one is bags of swords. Round two is crown and trees. Round three is letter and horse. Round four, and then it duplicates that order through round six. Um, and then at the end of each round, if there are four or more order tokens on Doran Martell, gain two victory points. Now, I'm assuming with some of the counterplay that you can do with him uh, to kind of avoid him is, I think, uh, evidence that suggests that uh, it's possible the wording is how it's meant to say, meaning that if you completely let him just do what he's doing, he will give you six victory points by the end of round six. And those that have been like, oh, well, most games don't go to round six. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yes, you're right. If it only went to round five and you gained four victory points from this NCU, then you're probably, you lost. And if it's close enough, then you're probably going to round six and he's getting two more or you just got shut out completely and somehow lost before Doran even mattered. But uh, there is some play around it. Uh, um, Cyrus, I'll let you kind of take it from there and kind of mention some of the play that you can do. So I was one of the many that was absolutely losing their minds when they saw this <laughs> card. I could not believe that something like this could exist. And there are factions that are absolutely not going to be able to deal with this, Free Folk being one of them. If you stall and hang back and just have Doran just run roughshod over the tactics board, you're going to lose. You're just simply going to lose. Uh, now, there is counterplay to this, it, and this is what I mentioned, mentioned earlier in the show. Peter Baelish is going to become an auto-include in just about every list, especially if you're going to be running into Martels, because you could potentially run Peter and activate him first, utilize the Water Garden effect, which will force your opponent to activate a combat unit on their next turn, and then on your next NCU activation, you can block the other zone that they were going to need for that round. That can shut out Doran uh, on turns that he's not going first. And in that case, if you can block him for three rounds, he will not score any victory points. That's one strategy. But that's tough. That's pigeonholing your list building, and it's pigeonholing how you're going to activate your NCUs and claim tactics board. Uh, which could leave you vulnerable out on the field. So it's a you know damned if you do, damned if you don't type situation where you're either going to have to dance with Doran on the tactics board 
or you're going to let him go and try to, to table your opponent before rounds four, five, and six even get there. I, it's tough for me to imagine this thing uh, coming into the game. It, it, it was wild. It's got some counterplay, but I don't think it's going to be enough counterplay. I think it's going to yep. be a pain in the neck. Yeah, I think uh, Littlefinger is the only good answer. I mean, Olena, obviously, uh, but, I mean, you're spending five points in Olena to shut off four-point Doran. I mean, I think that's a win either way for Doran. Um but, uh, you know, it's basically in competitive play, you're almost going to have to be forced to run Peter in one list, uh, if not both. If you, you know, it depends on the, how much Mart- Martells are in the scene, in, in the competitive scene. But if there's even a, a hand, even a, you know, a decent amount, I mean, you basically could just auto-lose if you have no answer for him. And I shouldn't say auto-lose because you obviously need 10 victory points and he could only give you a max of six. But I'm just saying, if you already have a handicap of six points given to you, um, you know, good luck winning, uh, winning that fight if your opponent only needs to shoot for four victory points. So... Um, I've said it from the start. I think even before he had the Peter had the was given the once per game effect that he was a five point NCU once they started increasing all the NCU's points, you know, from one point six to twenty twenty one. I just think he's that good. I think he's even without the once per game, he's a five point NCU. He just has so much utility and now with this, I mean his stock just keeps going up. And I I just I easily see Peter as a five-point NCU wrapped up in a four-point package, or maybe the opposite verbiage there. But, um, yeah, uh, there's – and who knows? There might even be a way to get around Peter. I'm still trying to wrap it around my brain how, like, if you go first or you go second, this or that, you know, if you take it with, like, the strangler and you are tying and put the strangler on a certain zone, I'm sure there's some – sequence of something that you can trip up your opponent even with Peter and still get at least two victory points out of Doran. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Super strong and we'll see how he kind of shakes out the meta. We'll, you know, and I, I have fully faith in Simon that if somehow he turns out to just be completely negative uh, player experience um, that uh, they'll, they'll rework him or something uh, or, you know, or do something with him. Uh, but yeah, all right, with that said, we'll jump into the commanders. Um, first one I want to talk about just in case is, uh, hmm, they only have the tart, the starter guys on here. Um, so I have, I have the other have, ones if we need them. Okay, so I'll talk over his uh, three commander cards real quick. And this is uh, the Harmon Euler. Um, he has Battle Endurance, Set for Charge, and Spiteful Truce. So we all know the Battle Endurance. He has the one where it's uh, only melee attacks. Um, so round three, roll any misses, four Sundering, Critical Blow, plus two attack dice. And Set for Charge, uh, just Set for Charge, so similar to the unit that has it. And then Spiteful Truce is when an enemy unit uh, passes a morale test. Target one friendly combat unit in long range of that unit. They restore two wounds plus one wound for each of their destroyed ranks. So very similar to Asha um, commander. 
And that, but this one is when an enemy unit enemy unit passes a morale test, target one friendly. So basically, you're relying on your opponent to pass a morale, which I'm not sure I necessarily like that. Um, I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, it's a cool little thing that can, you know, cool little thing that you're like, ah, you pass that morale, I heal some wounds. But uh, I think I would just prefer kind of more the Asha route. And then Harmon himself has Supply Aid and Iron Resolve. Uh, so the Supply Aid is an order, start a flowing turn, um, uh, suffer up to three wounds, and then restore one plus that many wounds to a friendly and long. And Iron Resolve is only morale, or sorry, only panic tests. You get plus one and minus one wound when failing them. What uh, were your thoughts on him? I actually think he's pretty solid. I mean, we know Battle Endurance is pretty good. Now, it might not be as good considering that these guys aren't as tough as, let's say, Baratheon units are, uh, but it can it can sneak up on you. Set for Charge, I think, is better as a tactics card instead of a unit ability because your opponent may not necessarily see it coming. They don't know if you have yep. it in hand or not. And then Spiteful Tru- Truce, I think it's great. It's like you get those situations like, ah, you passed your panic test, you lucky son of a gun. But then you're going to be able to get some benefit off of it. Uh, I actually like that uh, that kind of twist on what you normally expect. Uh, supply aid, yep. great order, uh, super handy, along with iron resolve. Uh, you might be able to put him in a ranged unit and be able to feed your frontline units. I, I, I think he's pretty solid. He's not He's not super exciting, but he's solid. I think him in a unit of spearmen for a cheap five-point commander with that supply aid, and then you put Oberyn Martell NCU, you put him on his unit, so that way you're like, okay, do you want to charge me? I have set for charge, and you're going to take a bunch of hits when you attack me. Um, I think would be a nice little combo, to a little insurance, that way you don't mind putting your commander in a, in a unit of spearmen, uh, plus that iron resolve. Uh, overall, sure. I think a solid commander uh, that I am excited to try out. Uh, next yep. up, we have uh, Obara Sand. She is, uh, so her tactics cards, Reckless Strikes, so similar to Dario, but her unit uh, gets highest attack die if it's on her. That's a precision critical blow. You take a wound for every one. And then Sustained Assault, um, uh, high, if you started the turn engaged, uh, you get your highest attack die value. And if you have more remaining ranks, uh, or if the defender has more remaining ranks than the attacker, uh, you, the defender becomes vulnerable. And desert preparation, uh, when an enemy unit completes an action, if they finish the action in long of her unit, they become panicked and weakened. And you can... Uh, uh, start of any turn to draw a card in case she dies or you just don't want this card. Um, overall, I don't know. I think it's a little weaker lineup of cards, but I think it's still decent. Um, getting some keywords and some panic or some uh, tokens out there uh, is nice. I think the sustained assault is not very useful in this faction just because highest attack die, I mean, you don't see a lot of degrading in dice, but it still could be useful. Uh, and then her abilities are reckless heroism and fueled by slaughter and sundering. Uh, amazing. I think uh, her abilities on her card definitely make up for a little bit of lacking in the tactics cards. What do you think? Good God, I'm amazed they were able to fit all of that onto one card. <laughs> she might have the biggest suite of abilities for a commander, I think, in the game. And not only just any abilities, but really good ones, too. Reckless Heroism, Fueled by Slaughter, in addition to Sundering, which we've said before, the units lack Sundering currently. 
that's just an amazing set of abilities that you're getting essentially for free. Uh, sustained Assault, ask a friendly Baratheon player what they think about Sustained Assault, and I'll tell you all you need to know. Reckless Strikes, good card. Uh, Desert Preparation, pretty good card. But like you said, it is on the on the little bit of the weaker side, but that is more than uh, than made up for by her attachment. It's just amazing, all the abilities that she got. Yep. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, we already know that Field by Slaughter is like the perfect counter to that, uh, to the Reckless Strikes and or uh, Heroism, or even both. Like if you're lucky enough to roll only a one on the Heroism for that auto six, and then, you know, you only roll like one one on the charge uh, after your re-rolls, and you just heal both back up after slicing into your opponent with that Sundering Critical Blow and Precision. Uh, so uh, I'm super excited to try her out. I mean, all the commanders, really. I think they did a great job. Uh, and I apologize going a little quickly through. We're only down to like eight minutes and two more commanders still to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one to, we'll talk about is Oberyn Martell. He is, uh, his commander will give Viper's Fang. That's the same ability as for his attachment that uh, attack enemies that have not activated become vulnerable and weaken. And Manticore Venom, once per game, after this unit completes a melee attack, attaches uh, Manticore Venom poison card to the defender until they are destroyed. Um, the vent- Manticore Venom is, this unit cannot restore wounds. If this unit becomes vulnerable, but is already vulnerable, it instead suffers one wound. Each time this unit activates, it becomes vulnerable. Uh, so him in some Bastard Girls is going to be super crazy. Uh, you're going to be able to shoot them, make them vulnerable, charge them, hit them, put Manticore Venom on them. going to try to make them vulnerable. They're already vulnerable. They take a wound. Then... Uh, Viper's Fang, if they haven't activated already, will make them vulnerable. They'll take a wound, and then when they go to activate to attack you, they're going to become vulnerable, but already are vulnerable, and take a wound. And all the while, after you shot them, attacked them, and they can't restore wounds. Uh, so, and then his cards are uh, intercept orders. Uh, when an enemy, uh, when an opponent targets a unit with the tactic zone, roll a die and a three up. Your opponent must target a different unit. And if you control the crown, you get to uh, re-roll. Unexpected exhaustion. When a vulnerable enemy activates, attach this card to them until the uh, vulnerable token is removed. While this card is attached, each time this unit attacks, it suffers a minus one to hit. Um, each, or Sorry, while this card is attached, each time this unit attacks, it suffers, yes, minus one to hit. While this card is attached, each time this unit attacks Oberyn's unit, um, before rolling dice, it becomes weakened. And Viper's Infamy, when an enemy combat unit activates, it suffers minus two when charging his unit. If the enemy fails, they become vulnerable. Start of any turn, choose one. You can draw a tax card, or if Oberyn Martell's unit is engaged, search your tactics discard pile for any one commander tactics card and add it to your hand. Man, uh, we haven't talked about the last guy yet, but he, in my opinion, is the best commander by far of all four of them. What, what are your thoughts? We knew that Oberyn Martell was a badass, but we didn't know that he was also going to be a giant slayer. <laughs> Manticore Venom on a giant? Forget about it. They're going to be taking auto wounds on a regular basis, and they're going to be done. 
Uh, he's he is the counter to the new mag meta that we can look forward to. Uh, the his cards are great. Uh, I love all of the cards. Now intercept orders can miss potentially, uh, but if you have control of the crown, you can avoid that. Uh, unexpected exhaustion also great because you're going to want to have those vulnerable tokens out anyway. And then Viper's Infamy. I mean, suffering minus two when charging over Martell's. Like, they, they want to get him killed, but they're going to have a hard time getting to him. Uh, it's a great, great suite of cards, great attachment abilities. He is awesome. Yeah, I I can't tell you how excited I am to try to try him out in that in the commander version over either of the other two. Uh, all right, lastly, we have Doran Martell. Uh, he has proxy orders. Each time Doran Martell claims a zone, you may replace that zone's effect with choose one. Arrowhota uh, may perform a pivot, then perform a march action, or uh, his uh, uh, Arrowhota may perform one retreat action. So the thing is, you take him for uh, Doran Martell NCU commander for five points, and it gives you this other Arrowhota. Um, uh, attachment for free to act as your commander. So you're essentially still having a commander that's free and you're just paying five points for NCU to uncomplicate it. Uh, and then his, uh, he'll give coordinate, uh, Arrowhota attachment will give coordinated assault. That's plus one hit for each remaining rank in the unit when they charge and Fury's charge. When they charge, the event defender becomes vulnerable. And duty to the crown. Each time this unit passes morale test, restores one wound. If you control the crown, it restores one additional wound. He has parlay, so similar to uh, Davo Seaworth, um, right, uh, ripe to act. When a friendly NCU claims the crown, replace that zone's effect with each enemy combat unit becomes vulnerable. And false agenda. When an enemy NCU activates, the NCU claims the zone this turn. After resolving the zone's effect, he may remove you may move that NCU to any unclaimed zone. If you move the NCU from the crown, target one enemy combat unit, and they gain a condition token. What are your thoughts while we wrap up here? So ripe to act, it sounds a little weak, but if you really think about it, when you claim the, the crown, if you're running against free folk and they have their eight combat units on the field, you're going to put out eight vulnerable tokens. That's <laughs> nuts. Uh, parlay, we, we've seen Davos. It, it, it can be really strong, especially if you have weak stuff. And then we've seen False Agenda with Tyrion. Uh, pretty, pretty nice cards. They're not, they're not jumping out at you like Oberyn does, but uh, they're, they're pretty good. I like that the combinations. Like if you're going to run Arya Hota, you have to run the, uh, the NCU and the, the, the replace effects that you're getting from Doran to be able to move Arya around. Also really good, and the suite of abilities that he has. Uh, super good. So it's a good combination for what you're getting as far as the cards and the attachment and the, the, the abilities that you're getting all in just one package. You have to bring them all together. I find it fascinating, and uh, hopefully they play more around more with it uh, in this kind of design space of grouping things together like that. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely love that they did that with them. I know technically it's just a more complicated way of saying that you have a free, uh, you know, your free commander and you have to take this NCU, but I still think it was a really cool idea. And then again, you know, what you're saying, ripe, ripe to act is amazing. Be able to 
uh, put a vulnerable on everyone is crazy good. But with that said, we are running down to the last 60 seconds of the show. Uh, I want to thank, uh, you know, you, Cyrus, for coming on and talking about all this for the you know, last two hours. You know, it's a whole lot to talk about. Um, thank every one of you for listening in. Um, you know, I can't wait for this faction, and we will definitely be covering more of it when it, uh, when it comes out. Um, with that said, everyone, this is the Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed. still here. Why? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.